Welcome to Achieve More, the high-performance transformation podcast, where we discuss tactical, easy-to-use ways to help community and broader public sector organizations, teams, and individuals to transform and achieve higher performance. I am your host, Michael Scheel, and I am a high-performance coach and transformation consultant. I help people and teams find their vision, learn how to overcome their barriers, improve, and transform their lives and organizations and achieve so much more. Welcome, everyone, to episode number five, Your Secret Weapon in Successful Projects. So just as the title would tell you, this week I want to uh, talk about a tool that you can use that I honestly think is is the most underrated of the project management tools and probably has the most impact on achieving success for your projects. Now, most of you are probably guessing it's some kind of fancy way of doing project planning for your activities, or maybe a better framework, uh, or a way to reduce risks, but, drumroll please, it is none other than the Stakeholder Impact Assessment Matrix. I know it sounds very official. Um, what this, what a Stakeholder Impact uh, Assessment Matrix does is provides, gives you a tool, gives you a framework, a structure to assess uh, which stakeholders are going to be impacted by your project. And so maybe they're going to be involved in the project. Maybe they'll be impacted directly or indirectly by the outcomes of the project. Uh, it doesn't really matter. It, it assesses, you know, if you do it right, it can assess both internal and external stakeholders that are impacted, um, how they're impacted, what their behavior might be, and what actions you might need to take, if any, uh, to communicate, engage, or support those stakeholders. And just to be clear, a stakeholder to me is any sort of individual group or organization that is involved in the project or whose interests may be positively or negatively impacted by the performance or outcome of the project. So again, it could be any, it could be an organization, could be a group of, of people like a steering committee, say, um, or senior management, etc., or it could be an individual. Um, and it could be somebody who's involved in the project, that they need to do something as part of the project, or what I'm most, most interested in really are those groups of, of stakeholders, those stakeholders, those individuals, those groups that are going to be impacted um, after you've, your project has gone live. So maybe you're changing how your service delivery model or you're improving your services or you're creating something new. You know, Whoever your clients or your patients are, whoever's going to be impacted by this service, I, I want to know what that is uh, right off the bat. I want to know how they're impacted, whether it's going to be positive or negative or net neutral and what you need to do about it. And sort of the reason why I think um, this is super important is I could argue that the top reasons for successful projects all have effective stakeholder engagement behind them. So I'm gonna say that again. I think the top reasons and just about any reason for a successful project is really due in the end, if you take a look at it, uh, due to effective stakeholder engagement. So you just think for a second, before we get into the whole stakeholder engagement matrix and how to do it, think about what are some of the reasons for successful projects. And these are pretty consistent. These are well known. Uh, I've even done a, a podcast on some of these and how you can use them to create a checklist for uh, for managing successful projects. We know that um, a top reason for successful projects is if you have senior level sponsorship. So if you've got good, vocal, supportive senior level sponsorship, someone really senior like a CEO or the C-suite in your organization, doesn't matter if you're a community sector organization, public sector, or even private sector. 
still remains the same. One of the top three reasons every single time for a successful project is senior level sponsorship. Well, that's really obvious. Those are people. That's a group of people. You need to think about what is your senior level of your organization want out of this project? Why did they want this project? Why are they supporting you? Are they supporting you? Maybe they're not. So therefore, you need to think about that. And that's what your stakeholder engagement matrix will tell you. Another top uh, so top three to top five reason for a successful projects is, is mid-level manager sponsorship. And the mid-level manager, those are the ones that are sort of squeezed in between the top-level management and the staff. So they're the ones who basically take the orders from the, or the directions at the very least, from the senior management, and then they need to go and figure out how to get the frontline staff to, to implement that. They are extremely important because while they might not yield as much influence uh, or power, I should say, per se, as the senior level sponsorship, they have a massive influence on whether and how frontline staff will actually do the things that are being asked to be done. And again, so I would argue that effective stakeholder engagement of that stakeholder group is extremely critical for getting your projects done. You know, then there's a, a variety of other things. Uh, scope management uh, is one of the top reasons for successful projects, and it is the top reason for unsuccessful projects. And again, I would argue that, you know, getting if the right scope and getting people to agree to the right scope uh, is all due to stakeholder engagement. You've, you've been given your scope orders, you figure out what it is, you put it in your project charter, but then you need to engage all the different stakeholders involved to make sure that they understand what the scope is and what the scope isn't. And when scope creep occurs, the way that you stop scope creep is by engaging those stakeholders that are trying to enlarge in your scope and you stop it through effective engagement of that stakeholder. So that's just one reason. Um, another sort of ten <clears throat> tangential reason that, that, that this seems to keep popping up in my head is people always, the, the people with a capital P are always hold the sort of the, to me, the power key uh, to improving things in an organization. If any of you have listened before, there's only really four key ways that you can transform or improve a service. I don't care if you're public sector, community sector, private sector. There's only four really key ways. That's people, process, technology, and policy. And I could argue very easily that you could have the best process, the best technology, and the best policies in the world. But if your people aren't trained and engaged and supported properly, it doesn't matter. You could have a fantastic um, IT tool with fantastic processes, but if your people aren't trained and supported and they don't want to do it, it doesn't really matter. You cannot really gain the things that you want to without engaging people. Okay, so uh, let's move on. I think I've, I've, I've made the case as best I can for why you need to do stakeholder engagement, so let's, let's move on to, to how you do it. And the process is actually relatively simple, uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's organic and it changes over time. So what I use is I use a chart. I, could, I just use, you can do this in Excel. I just use a paper document, a Word document, I should say. And uh, I create a chart. And down the left-hand column is uh, all of uh, where I list all of the stakeholders. And I do love to do both internal and external stakeholders. I like to think a little bit about that. Um, and then you go ahead and you assess across a variety of factors, which I'm about to talk about. So the reason I do both internal and external is you want to engage and support stakeholders slightly differently if they're close to you within your organization or if they're external. You know, if it's an in-state client, there could be many reasons why you, you need to engage them um, in a very careful way 
so that you don't communicate things inappropriately on behalf of your organization. Okay, so here's the process. Step number one, um, you simply identify all the stakeholders. You just brainstorm it. And when I start, I just literally look at the blank piece of paper and I just write them all down. doesn't matter what order, what priority, all the different stakeholders. And again, it can be a, a person, it can be a group, it can be an organization. So if you're looking to improve your service uh, for in your, in your unit, you've got a service that you provide um, and you're looking to improve it, you know, the, the people that you work with would be a stakeholder. The people that um, receive that service would be a stakeholder that I would include. I would include your senior management team as a stakeholder. If your clients need to pay for that service, I would include your finance department. It's basically anybody who's impacted by how you're going to change or improve your service. So step number one was identify the stakeholders. Just list them all down. Uh, step number two, uh, I want to create a column to the right of those stakeholders um, and put down um, how important they are. I rate it low, medium, or high. It's important to know how important that stakeholder is to the project you're doing. So um, say you provide um, support um, to adults with disabilities. Say you're, you're, you're going to improve the way that you've got um, PSWs that go out and provide that support um, to your client who is an adult with a dis disability that lives in their home. Uh, I would say that if you're going to change the service delivery model, how the PSWs engage your clients, um, that I would well, I would put down a PSW um, as uh, which is a personal support worker. For those of you who don't know what that is, I would put them down as a high importance because they're the ones. It's their job that's going to change it, and they need to be the ones who change it to the way that you want it to be changed. Uh, clients are, are high importance or medium importance for this because um, they're the ones who receive it. And if they really don't like it and they put up a fuss, then your project won't be successful. So for all of your stakeholders you put down, you make a guess at first, and it can be just an estimate or guess of whether it's low, medium, or high importance. Then the next column to the right of that will be influence. How much influence do they have over the success of the project? So using that same example as before, uh, the PSWs who are part of your organization and provide feedback and are in staff meetings, etc., they probably have a medium to high influence. They're not in charge of the program, but if they all push back and they say, no, we're not going to do it that way, then that is a pretty high influence. I would argue in this case that maybe customers, your clients, are probably low to medium influence because they won't really know until the service model happens and Assuming that it improves the service, they're really not going to push back or make a big fuss unless you do something really disruptive. So you've identified the stakeholders. Then step number two, you've identified their importance. I would say step number three was identifying the influence. At this point in time, I like to prioritize for those stakeholders that I've said are high importance and high influence. Those are the ones that uh, you really pay the most attention to. Stakeholders that are the low importance and low influence you still want to pay attention to, but you wouldn't rush to as, as to engage and support as much as you would the ones that are a double high. Step number four is you assess the impact of the project on that stakeholder. Now, again, right at the beginning, if you haven't talked with any of these stakeholders, this, is, this might be a guess for you. You might be guessing how it's going to impact your PSW or you might be guessing how it's going to impact your client. Um, that's okay. You just do your best and you do a bullet point of how does this impact them? Does it make their lives easier? Do they have to fill out more forms? Do they have to do more work? Do they have to do less work? Um, are they going to feel better about their work? Uh, step number five is uh, basically you take all those previous things 
and you figure out what it is that you think you need to do to support that that stakeholder. And this to me is the most critical one. So you figured out who the stakeholder is, you figured out whether they're important or how, how much their importance is to the project. You figured out how much their influence is on the project and you figure out how that project is impacting them to the best of your abilities. And now you need to think, what are the actions I'm going to take to communicate, engage, and support this stakeholder throughout the project? All right, so that's the five steps. You identify the stakeholder. Step number two, you figure out how important they are to the project and to the success of the project. Step number three, you figure out how much influence they have on the project. And again, that's a low, medium, high. Uh, step number four is you assess the impact of the project on the stakeholder. And for that, I'm looking for just a couple of bullet points on, on what it might do. And then step number five, uh, you assess the activities that you require to, uh, again, to support, engage, communicate uh, with that stakeholder throughout the project. Okay, so uh, just a couple of uh, four additional points to think about when you're doing uh, stakeholder mapping like this. Uh, number one, uh, you might want to involve others. So I find it a really useful tool for getting my project team, for instance, all together on the same page. Who's important to the project, who's not. Um, I find it useful doing this with, with steering committees. When I'm, when I'm first presenting to a steering committee or a group of senior individuals who are responsible for the project, I like to get their input too. I like to see who they think is important, what stakeholders they, want, they, they think that they want involved, uh, and importantly, I want input from someone senior in the team to see how much I can or should involve our end clients as well, because I think that that's kind of critical. Uh, important note number two, I would do this right off the bat. I do this right my first day on a project. I start to think about the, the timelines, the milestones, the risks, and stakeholder engagement, because it can help you figure out who to involve in the project and when which goes straight into your project plan. So, you know, my second most, my second important note here is, is think about, uh, do this right off the bat so you can think about, okay, what are the stakeholders impacted by this project? And maybe there's a stakeholder or a person or something that I need to involve on in the project team or as an advisor to the project or when and how am I going to communicate and engage with that stakeholder through the, the, the project and when do I need to put that into the project plan? Um, Important note number three, uh, I would update this uh, throughout the project. On my template, I, I put in big bold letters that it's organic. It's going to change and adapt throughout the project because as you communicate and engage with stakeholders, they may change their point of view. They may, uh, they may become more positive or they may become less supportive of your project. Uh, you may find out more about them and realize that they're not as important or maybe they're more important. So as you go through the project at different stages, um, it's important to update and change and adapt uh, your stakeholder chart. If I'm on a big multi-organizational complex project, one of the big ones with teams of you know, 40, 50, 60 people, maybe across two or three organizations, a really big complex project like that, I like to review the stakeholder engagement matrix every couple of weeks, at least monthly, um, with key project team members or with the steering committee. Uh, and then important note number four, um, this can really be political uh, in some projects in terms of whether a certain stakeholder is considered important or influential. 
Sometimes people or groups of people think that they're more important and influential than they really are, and vice versa. Um, so it's important to understand who's going to see your your chart um, and what they are going to interpret from that. So again, that can be, uh, I have been involved in projects where people have seen the stakeholder engagement chart and, and have gotten very upset with how themselves or certain groups um, are, are noted on that chart. So I just uh, give you that warning. Okay, so that was the high-level overview of why, when, and how to do a stakeholder engagement chart for your projects. I think this, this tool, honestly, is one of the key reasons why projects are successful or not. And I think it's something that uh, a lot of people don't really do. It's not really taught a lot. Uh, it's mentioned in project management training, but it's not really emphasized a lot. And if you aren't a trained project manager, you're probably not thinking about this. If you want to learn more about stakeholder engagement, uh, we're going to be diving deeper into how to create uh, and use this template uh, different project phases in our upcoming training course on planning, launching, and managing transformation projects. So keep your eyes out for that. Uh, we're also going to be rolling out soon our community membership site, uh, which will provide ongoing support for people who are planning and launching projects and transformation projects. And uh, that's one of the things that we'll be diving a little bit deeper into as well. So keep your eyes open for that as well. And as always, if you think someone else would find this, uh, this particular episode useful, please share the podcast with them. Our goal is to help support, inform, and engage as many people as we can on planning and managing transformation projects. And until next week, my friends, I hope you have a fabulous time finding ways to improve your life, your services, your organization to achieve more and live a more fulfilled life. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Our goal is to help as many people as possible learn how to improve, transform and achieve higher performance for themselves, their teams and their organizations. So if you like what you heard, I invite you to like, share, rate, and subscribe to this podcast. All of that helps others find us and helps us to achieve our goal of inspiring, engaging, and educating people and teams to improve and achieve more. You can also find the show notes to our website on our website at www.scg.team. Anything I reference in today's episode or any important links will be posted there as well. And while you're at our site, you can also subscribe to our weekly email blast so you don't miss it. Thanks again and have a great week.